The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You are listening to 88.9 FM KUCI, broadcasting live on the campus of UC Irvine. Since 1969. Good morning. This is your host, Claudia Shambaugh, on Ask a Leader. This is the August 28, 2012 edition. This morning, we are treated to two women who are minding the local and beyond the scene in terms of our health and well-being on two very different levels. First, we'll talk with Courtney Burks, director of UCI's fitness programs, who will lead us through the ongoing and latest ways to enroll in a host of fitness and well-being programs. In the second half, we'll hear from Lynn Maloney, the Vice President of Development at the Orange County Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. She will post us on the upcoming National Alzheimer's Awareness Month in September, along with many activities that they're planning throughout the month, as well as the abundant resources they provide throughout the years. We'll be right back after a brief interlude. My guest in this portion of Ask a Leader is Courtney Burks, Director of Fitness and Wellness at UCI Campus Recreation. Before arriving at UCI six years ago, she was the wellness coordinator for both the Orange County Transportation Authority and the City of Anaheim Department of Public Utilities. She has taught in the Kinesiology and Health Science Department at Cal State Fullerton and numerous health education courses at Fullerton College. Courtney received her bachelor's degree in kinesiology from Cal State Fullerton and earned a master's degree in kinesiology with an emphasis in exercise science and health promotion from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. She's responsible for all fitness and wellness programs for UCI Campus Recreation and the UCI Medical Center. And there are so many programs that she is here on Ask a Leader to tell us about. And that's why we have her. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Courtney Burks. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, uh, well, the personal trainer, Tammy, that we had on for a New Year's resolution show a couple New Year's ago, and now it's our pleasure to have you on the program. Well, first, can you lay out for us who is eligible for membership at the Antida Recreation Center and uh, otherwise known as the Campus Recreation Center? Well, all students uh, within their fees have access to the facility no necessary payment made to us, that's all included. But then we also allow membership for faculty and staff here at UCI, uh, medical center employees, as well as spouses or dependents of those individuals who are employed. Um, Also alumni have access as members, even students who recently have graduated, they have a discounted membership upon completing school, uh, which is a nice, nice perk. Right. Because uh, I've gotten used to, you know, being here five days a week, some six, seven days a week. Um, and then also people who are alumni of other UCs as well. So not necessarily UC Irvine, but, you know, if you're a Cal graduate. And we're also beginning a partnership with the UCI Alumni Association that you can join the Alumni Association, and that also gives you access to a membership as an Alumni Association member. So um, and to really, be, a lot of, now this opens it up to a lot of people in and, the area. And Courtney, to be clear then, the dependents must be at least 18 years of age, correct? That, that is correct. We do have um, family swim time on the weekends that, you know, Parents can come and swim with their kids in the pool, but as far as in the weight rooms or any of that, just because of liability issues and, you know, we're dealing with, you know, some heavy equipment. Okay. Very, very good. And on the calendar right around the corner, there are a number of things that we want to, every listener to put on their calendar uh, for what they can be included in. And you're, you're finding every single a- uh, angle, Courtney, it's really amazing on how to... Uh, get people involved in uh, 
working at toward their fitness. So what do you want to start with? Do we start with the Fit Squad? Uh, the Fit Squad would be great. Uh, that's a, a mobile fitness group, uh, or excuse me, uh, truck that we started. I think we're going into our fourth year now where we have a little cart that's full of fitness equipment that we go out onto campus at various locations for workouts with employees. And so it, you know, initially started with going to the housing groups as well as um, dining services in the housing facilities because there was a lot of injuries occurring with those groups specifically, facilities as well. Wow. And so that really was a focus group initially. And then the funding, we kept continuing to receive funding and we said, you know what, we're we're not doing the whole campus, you know, good with this. We're just, you know, targeting these small groups. So let's open it up to everyone. So we started opening it up to different departments from, you know, child services to the law school. And then this year we're kind of taking a different approach. Instead of having specific departments contact us and we go to their, you know, break area, whether it be inside or outside, we now have um, added a few other locations in addition to those departments across campus, but anybody can attend. So it doesn't have, you don't have to be part of the law school to attend the workout at the law school. Is it kind of like the fitness equivalent of a bookmobile? Basically, yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So there, with, the, with this new schedule, we have basically 15 workouts that people can just drop in and use for free, you know, on the campus from, you know, some are in the center of campus and, you know, the beautiful Aldridge Park that we have here at camp, on campus, as well as out at Research Park near the Human Resources Building. So do they contact the website for campusrec.uci.edu to arrange for your appearance? Absolutely. Well, well, we'll be at all these locations, and this officially kicks off right after the Labor Day holiday, so on the uh, 4th of September, and they can get the schedule online at campus recreation, or excuse me, campusrec.uci.edu, and there's a faculty staff tab on the left-hand side, and that takes you to the Fit Squad and other programs that, you know, we're offering, but you'll be able to pull up the schedule, know exactly who's teaching it, what time it starts, where it's at. Again, it's free. All that we say, you know, just come and just bring, you know, some comfortable shoes, some tennis shoes, and you're ready, you know, 20, 30-minute workout. And we know that the ARC itself has been well supported by the student fees. When you talk about the Fit Squad receiving more funds, is that coming through the the student activity funds or is there a sort of a general UCI campus fund as well because it's everybody's fitness that you're concerned about? Yeah, this one is not the students. The students aren't paying for this. This is actually coming from the office of the president up in Oakland. Okay. And it is part of the Be Smart About Safety funding, that it's a funding that as far as the money that we're saving on workers' comp right. claims that then can fund, you know, this program, it funds, you know, free um, CPR for all faculty and staff. It funds a variety of different safety programs over through EHS and risk management. There's a, a whole team that uh, we work on programs with this Be Smart About Safety Funds. Excellent. And if somebody wants a CPR refreshment course, that's the same. They go through the, by the same way we're talking about those tabs at campusrec.uci.edu. Yep. yep. So there's a, actually there's a safety tab, and you can click on that and, you know, call the our sales desk, and you can sign up for one of the classes. And, again, that is for, for faculty and staff. It is funded for them to take the class for free. And is that a pretty uh, well-taken-up option then, or, or are they waiting for the phones to call? Absolutely. No, um, we have quite a few, actually. Most of our classes we offer, I think it's, you know, six to eight classes a quarter, and those fill up. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, that's the Fit Squad then. I know that um, there is a Tai Chi master who was on our show a couple of weeks ago um, briefly, and he's going to be presenting a special program within this program. Yeah, the, we're having the Tai Chi master is one of our guest lecturers in our Health and Fitness Friday. Oh, let's talk about series. the whole series. Good. Yeah, so that's a, that's a program that, again, is able to be funded through the Be Smart About Safety program as part of the UCI Living Well programs. And that takes place every Friday at noon here at the ARC. It begins the middle of October, so October 12th. We kick that off, and there's six consecutive 
uh, Fridays that you can come over here. You do have to register for this. And as a faculty and staff, again, this is free. And you register at the UC Learning Center, which is the former TED uh, program. And we do a lecture during the noontime. Lunch is provided by our chef that we have here on staff. And so you come, you get some, you know, good information on health and fitness as well as a real healthy lunch. And also another perk that we've added is that people, even if you're not a member, if you come in before the lecture, you can work out for free or you can stay a little after the lecture and work out. Oh, that is fine. Well, I want for our guests who've just tuned in, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And my guest in this hour, part of the hour, is Courtney Burks, Director of Fitness and Wellness at the UCI Campus Recreation. She's going over the programs that they're starting up right as of September 4th and the Living Well uh, lecture starting at October 12th. And all of them are free, as she's saying. So we have then the, uh, you mentioned something about the uh, culinary program that Chef Richie was on this show uh, over a year ago, but he's been, he's moved on to uh, other things, but you do have a, a culinary director that you can mention in his stead. Yes, so on staff, uh, Chef Richie had worked actually with our head chef, so it's Jessica Van Roo, and she's been with us, I think, almost two years now, and so she does a lot of the cooking classes as well as uh, custom programs, like departments will come over for a day retreat for team building and do maybe a cooking challenge. Ah. Um, So really, you know, really a unique feature among recreation centers. I think there's only one, maybe two others in the whole country who have a demonstration kitchen like us. So it's set up like the TV shows, you know, with cameras that, you know, zoom down on the stovetop and on the prep area, and then the image is displayed on large TVs so, you know, the entire room can see it. And it's quite a setup. It's it's really kind of a, you know, a fun thing that we have to offer here. And that is also registration through Campus Rec. Yes, so they can go onto the Campus Rec website, and there is also a tab for cooking, and so that will have the classes. We change them every quarter, so they, um, they'll be up there on what they can do, uh, how to register, and uh, that's also something that you do not have to be a member of the ARC to participate in. There, You would just pay a entry fee in addition to the cost of the class, and the classes are anywhere from 20 to $25, and it's for a few hours as well. And there's probably a meal you get out of that. Yes, yes. So you, you prepare it, you get to eat it, and generally there's enough leftovers that, you know, you get to take some home as well. Oh, well, very good. Well, that congratulations on such a, a rare offering among all the campuses in the country. That's, yeah. that's terrific. Was that something that you were there for six years now, but um, is that something you had some role in, Courtney? Do you want um, to take a bow for this? Uh, I wish I could. No, that's actually our director kind of had the foresight to make sure that that was part of the planning of our expansion to our facility. So the ARC has been here since 2000, and we went through a an addition three years ago. Mm-hmm. So as part of that addition was the demonstration kitchen. So really, really cool thing that we have here. Well, very good. Um, then we have a number of programs you've been uh, involved with, the Step Up and Limber Up. Why don't you unpackage those offerings for our listeners? Definitely. So um, it's what we call our Up Series. So we always uh, have three new ups for each academic year. So we and we always kick off with Step Up, which is our online pedometer-based walking program. We always kick that off at the staff picnic. So that's next week on the thirtieth. Um, and so we'll be kicking that off where just you simply, as faculty staff, you register for the program, you receive a pedometer, and you track your steps daily. So it's not a a workout program per se. I mean, we would love for you to work out, and we have some conversion charts online. If you're a swimmer, how many steps does that equate to? I see. And then you, um, but what we're really looking for is for people just to move more throughout the day. And quite frankly, that's, you know, our problems is we sit at a desk all day and we don't move around. And we get in kind of that rut of, you know, just get in our cars, go through the drive-thru, look for the closest parking spots, you know, you name it. 
we do it. So we're just trying to get people to be more aware. So by wearing the pedometer, you might think you had a really busy day. You're tired, you're exhausted at the end of the day. And when you look at your pedometer, you're like thinking, wow, I only walked 3,200 steps. You know, I, I feel exhausted. And so they could compare then uh, from their traditional parking selection that they parked a little further away, as you were talking about when we were preparing for the show, that they uh, park further away or they decide to use the uh, the loo that's maybe on the next floor. They're going to do they're going to see a difference if they want to really pay attention from day to day, how many more steps they can add. Absolutely. And that and that's just it. It's just those it's kind of just changing our routine. We all kind of get stuck in a routine. Sometimes it becomes a rut. And that's what we encourage people to do. Exactly. Take instead of going to the restroom that's, you know, across the hall from your office, why don't you go up two flights of stairs if you know you're so lucky to be able to do that and go to the bathroom, you know, on that floor. Oh heck, they could go in another building. That's if they, they don't have their own stairs. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's just you know, and you know, that's good. We just need to move and that's that's really the problem, you know, with our society now is we, you know, it's a life of convenience almost. And so that's we're just trying to make people aware. Again, it's not a workout program. We're just trying to change, you know, your normal routine. It's a monitoring program. Absolutely. And so they'll just get on and they'll register and they'll enter their steps daily. We'll keep track of it um, as far as the total. And once they reach 750,000 steps, which again, seems like a lot, but it, it is, you have until June to do it, they will receive a t-shirt free. A t-shirt. What does the t-shirt say or do? Uh, this this year, it's a, um, it's a, it's a kind of a take on the California flag. So instead of the bear, oh. it's an anteater and it says anteater republic, step up UCI. Oh. Uh, it's actually one of my favorites. I think this is the, I think for step up, this is the seventh year. Um, I wasn't here for the very first year, so it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. And if people want to see it, we will have it on at the staff picnic at, at the campus rec table. And then we're also, they just came in, so uh, we're doing a photo shoot today, and it will be live on the website. Wow. Well, maybe I should pick one up, and I can use that for, uh, usually I, t- I typically ride, as my listeners know, I ride my bike to that. But so riding, pedaling doesn't get you anything on the pedometer, no, does it? No. It, or it's it won't on the pedometer. I mean, you actually driving to work, people, you know, any movement will, you know, register on the pedometer. But um, we don't want people just to wiggle in their chair to get steps. Although right. that's but good. But, but you, you know. said the swimmers get credit. But so there must be a bicycle equivalent for there this. There is. There absolutely is. So whether it be, you know, you know, beginner or, you know, a slow ride, intermediate, you know, racing speed, you know, whatever the miles per hour you're doing, there's a conversion for everything. Oh, for everything. So if you lawn, you're, you know, mowing your lawn, you can convert that to steps. It's, you know, you can then plug all of that in as your daily total. And do you get credit for going uh, those steps that are upward and uh, downward or, you know, getting extra credit on the stairs? Uh, no, it just registers as the movement. Okay. But your heart will know. Your heart, <laughs> your your heart will know. may not, but your heart will know. You'll know when those steps get easier and easier absolutely, by the day. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, uh, so that's our program for the fall. And then in the winter, we have a new program called Move Up. And that's, we always try and get a new program in there every academic year. And this oh. is our one this year. And uh, it's still in the planning process as far as the the details, but I can let you know that it's a motivation program. You know, that seems to be the problem is people know they should exercise. They know they should eat right. It's getting them motivated to do that. So we've gotten some key people on campus to talk about how to get motivated, how to stay motivated. Um, And again, that one is more or less going to be you're going to watch some videos, maybe read some text, and you get credit for viewing those videos, reading that text, and you need to do, I think it's 20 days, and then you earn a t-shirt for that one as well. Well, I'm just wondering, um, this, since this is launching it for the first time, if, there, if there's going to be some kind of a, I don't want to say a stigma, but do you think people will feel a little bit outed if they, they're they're concerned about showing up there, like they lack the motivation and they don't want to be seen as lacking the motivation, so they go there anyway and they hope that they don't know anybody when they get there? How does that, how do you promote that without making it sound like we're all going to like traffic school or something? (laughs) Right. Um, Well, everything is online, so there isn't an orientation program or anything to come to. 
you can do it from home. You can do it from work. No one would even need to know that you're registered for the program. Ah. So everything, yeah, all the UPS programs, unlike the Fit Squad and the um, Health and Fitness Fridays, you know, the, all the UPS are done online and done individually. Okay. Man so. up and women up with Step Up and Move Up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and then uh, our third one for the year will kick off in the spring, and that's Limber Up. And that's one that we did two years ago, and that's a flexibility program. So there's going to be a series of videos that you'll watch that it'll take you through stretches that you can do at home, at work, um, out you know, in your backyard, in the park, wherever you want that will help increase flexibility, which, you know, as we get older, we get a little tighter and um, can't even, unable to touch our toes quite as easily as we used to. And this program will help with that. And that can be done anywhere. And on, again, like the other programs that are upping, that yep. upping the ante here. As yep. it were. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's really wonderful. So, and that you'll know that's a spring that a couple of years ago, it was how successful was that? I mean, or can you can have it sort of a tab on how many are carrying this out individually in their different locales? Um, we usually have anywhere from, you know, six to 800 people register. It drops off, you know, after they register, maybe they don't follow up. I try to send out follow-up emails, you know, encouraging them to keep going. Um, but I know, you know, People get busy, but they've taken that initial step. So maybe this next time when they see it, they'll be like, oh, I really like that program. I, you know, ended up dropping out of it or whatnot, not continuing it. I'm going to do it this year. So uh, we also, all these programs are available for the med center as well over in Orange right. for all of those employees. So very good. We're, we're you know, spreading out, you know, getting as many people as we can to, you know, just lead a healthy lifestyle. Exactly. Well, you also have, among your many things in your arsenal there, your fitness arsenal, the Worksite Award that you confer. And why don't you tell us about that? The uh, award that we just won, is that you're speaking of? Oh, yes. Yeah, the uh, American Heart Association does a fit-friendly business award to companies who have walking paths, offer, you know, wellness programs, fitness programs to the employees. And we actually received the Platinum Platinum Award, which is the Ooh, highest yes. because of all the programs that we offer to the employees here at UCI. And I think that's the big thing is people don't realize that, you know what, there's so many programs that are out there for you to participate in that are free, that are only available to you. And it just shows that, you know, the the campus community, you know, it we want everybody to be healthy, you know, and it's really coming from the top down, from the chancellor or higher than him at the office of the president. I mean, this is really a system-wide, you know, goal is to get people moving. Moving and stretching, extending. Yep. Well, we we talked about some time, and I don't mind just mentioning on the radio for some listener to think, pick up on the idea and help me work on this, is that uh, along with your step up, move up, and all these other ups is some kind of a, a way of logging in. Everybody can log in when they're using the stairs instead of the elevator. That they, It's a kind of a different social network that people could log in, say something silly about their that they were just there, and you can sort of get an idea of who's using the elevator, make it a sociable use of that. I mean, I've certainly, when I've encountered people in the stairwell, I'm giving them a, like a you know thumbs up, good for you. But, <laughs> but I'm wondering if there's some kind of a, a, a little more theatric part to this, a little more socially interactive piece to uh, acknowledging who's in that stairwell. And it gives a sort of a, a subtle nudge for other people to c- take part who wouldn't think of ever using those stairs. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's almost people who take the stairs and, you know, particularly, you know, three floors or higher office buildings, it's almost a subculture. You know, everybody's just so used to just hopping in the elevator. But I think that there is a sort of kinship to those, like you said, that you see those people, you kind of give them a smile like, hey, this is us. We're part of this group. I do more uh, than smile, man. I, I really, I practically give them a back pass. But, <laughs> so that's uh, that's some other thing. We'll, we'll try that. Cordy, you and I will, and all the people listening who think it's a good idea, we'll, get, we'll just start 
putting up, posting some kind of a login, any stairway we can find and, right. uh, and do something with that. Well, I don't know if there's anything else. Now, we've talked about the website, but we don't want anybody to lose sight. It'll also be posted on the podcast for the show. Okay. But www.campusrec.uci.edu gets you into so much good fitness action, folks, that... Um, and with such either free or minimally priced kinds of registrations, there's, uh, you know, you you may meet you might meet your new partner there. Have Have you ever had any? Uh, have you documented anybody meeting a partner in any of these activities? I haven't. I know that it's it's a good way to network, though. I you know, especially in the Health and Fitness Fridays, um, get a lot of different people from different departments on campus that might not otherwise meet each other. Right. Um, so some networking I have seen take place, which is nice to see. Okay. Well, I can't, I mean, it's a social as well as well a fitness, physical fitness. So um, this is really a wonderful time to get everybody starting to think about it. And uh, I thank you for your time for being on Ask a Leader, Courtney Burks. Thank you very much. And I wish you all the success in filling all of these wonderful programs and, um, and adding to them as uh, the customers give you more ideas. Thank you. That was Courtney Burke's UCI Fitness and Wellness Campus Recreation Director. After a brief break, we'll talk to my second guest, Lynn Malowney, the Vice President of Advancement at the Alzheimer's Association chapter in Orange County. We'll be right back after this station break. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. Thank you for staying tuned. My next guest is Lynn Maloney, Vice President of Development at the Orange County Alzheimer's Association. She is a Montanan repatriated to Orange County six years ago, and she brings to the Alzheimer's Association now 24 years, count them folks, of nonprofit sector experience. She comes to us today from Irvine, where the Alzheimer's Association office is located, here to post us on what we need to know as we head into the fall. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Lynn Maloney. Oh, Claudia, thank you, and thank you so very much for having us. We're always delighted for this opportunity to visit with you and with your guests. We are glad you are here, and there is so much to cover. First of all, we are just at the cusp of what is going to be the Alzheimer's Association's September Alzheimer's Awareness Month. So that's just right around the corner. What kinds of events, programs, and uh, level of awareness raising uh, are we in store for, Lynn? Well, Claudia, there's so much happening for World Alzheimer's Month, which, as you said, is September, so it's it's here, it's now, and what we're really inviting the community to do is to join us in going purple with a purpose. So it can be as simple as just wearing purple to work once in a while. It can be getting purple donuts for the break room at work. The whole motivation behind going purple with a purpose this September for World Alzheimer's Month is to increase awareness about Alzheimer's, to increase understanding about Alzheimer's, to elevate it so that the thousands and thousands and thousands of people every day who are affected by it know that we're here to help, know that this is not something that they need to endure in isolation. Wonderful. So when we wear purple, it's, we won't be confused with the suffrage movement. That was successful. Hopefully uh, <laughs> Alzheimer's awareness raising is also as uh, will be so successful, too. Oh, my gosh. We do hope so. And what you're going to see, and this makes it even doubly exciting, is that from our national office, you're going to see the impact of their efforts. They're going to have sportscasters sporting purple ties. They're going to have publications um, you know, that we would never afford to put an ad in ourselves. They're going to have publications that have full-page the ads. Um, they're going to have celebrities and spokespersons and, and all kinds of concerned, caring members of our nationwide community speaking out about this disease and the impact that it has. There are over 35 million people across the world affected by Alzheimer's, and you know, Claudia, that yes. number just continues to grow every day. And when you say affected, I think that's an undercount because that is 
those are considering those who are afflicted with the disease, but affected could really would be a much larger number. Those people that are trying to work with that person, they're certainly affected by it as well. That's an important distinction, one I'm really glad that you brought up. The individuals with the disease are really a small part of the equation. We conservatively estimate that every person who has the disease, another four people, are indirectly affected by it. The people who are their families, their caregivers. Even if a loved one is in a care facility, you are still dealing with the burden of of Alzheimer's caregiving, and you still have needs related to that. So among all of the services we provide, making sure caregivers have the support, the tools, the resources they need is a big part of our focus. Okay. So it's just, it's just elevating that awareness, elevating that understanding. And, you know, I'll talk to people and they go, I don't have a loved one with Alzheimer's. I don't really know someone with Alzheimer's. And still I empower them with the information because I say, you will leave here today having spoken to me and you will encounter somebody exactly. who needs to know that we're here. Exactly. So. I think we, we I, sometimes after experience what I have with one of my parents who yeah. – uh, uh, was afflicted with the Alzheimer's, with Alzheimer's, that um, I I can recognize some sort of dementia kind of a bearing from a complete stranger, and it, oh. I sort of assume a different kind of tack and try to uh, be somewhat mindful, the least bit threatening, so that I can sort of steer them to the extent that I can in that moment into somewhere to maintain, give them a maintain. A, help them maintain a sense of, of sanctity where they're maneuvering since they're so at, at risk, they're at, at large, they're right. so fragile and vulnerable. Right. And you respond with more compassion when you know that the, the, the curious behavior might have to do with a memory loss disorder. You're more mindful. Are they safe? Because you know people with memory loss disorders are more apt to wander and you know, can't attend to their own safety in the same way. So just that enhanced awareness is a huge goal for us because it will change how we as a community respond to people who are who are struggling with this or how caregivers, you know, if you're in a workplace and you're caring for somebody with Alzheimer's, your focus is not 110% at your desk, you know. No. You're worrying about is mom safe? You know, how do I how do I juggle both family needs and getting my parent to the doctor needs and you know, it's it's just a lot for people to deal with alone and that's why we're so just adamant that people know they don't have to deal with it in isolation. Correct. We're here to help. Well, you know, we have two huge national political conventions coming up. I'm going to keep my eyes uh, looking out for uh, some purple ties. I'm, oh. <laughs> who knows Who knows what we're going to see in Miami and in North Carolina. So, hey, maybe Charlotte. the red and the blue can come together oh. on this issue, huh? There, there you have it. There that was succinctly it. worked out. <laughs> well, so besides now sporting the purple ties, yeah. and all, are there other uh, certain um, projects um, that are geared for uh, giving more attention to the World Alzheimer's Awareness Month? Well, you know, again, from experience, Claudia, that the fall is our season for our Walk to End Alzheimer's effort. Um, and the Walk to End Alzheimer's, again, is just a really key opportunity for us to increase awareness. But it also is the single most effective way that we raise money in our communities to help in the fight against Alzheimer's. And we've changed the name of it. It used to be Memory Walk, and we've changed the name of it to Walk to End Alzheimer's because it clearly states in our mission and in our vision that our vision is a world without Alzheimer's. It's not okay that the people that we love, we lose them to this disease, and we lose them by inches. So the walk to end Alzheimer's is an opportunity for families to come out, for, for people and their kids and their dogs to come out and enjoy a morning that's fun. And you know if you're a family dealing with Alzheimer's, you don't always have a lot of fun. So you come out and you see hundreds and thousands of other people who are there enjoying a beautiful day in a beautiful setting and having an awful lot of fun, and you realize you're not alone in it. Um, And by engaging others, you know, Claudia, you tell one friend, they tell one friend, soon we're raising, literally, we'll be raising a million dollars in Orange County this fall, and we'll be having five walks. Um, you can go to our website, alz.org, to view the yes. walk sites. The first one's at Angel Stadium on September 22nd. We've got something at Doheny Beach and Knott's Berry Farm in October, Huntington Beach in November, and the District of Tustin in December. 
So there's something for everyone. And if, you know, you do nothing more than throw on a purple T-shirt and come out and join us, you'll have done something significant in the fight against Alzheimer's. And I don't think it's, it's not just the sheer numbers of people turning out, but I think there's invariably a, a sharing of experiences, validation mm-hmm. that goes on with people. I notice uh, that when I go to some of the, the art Arts in memories. Uh, remind, memories in the making. Memories in the making. Thank yeah. you. And where uh, there is a lot of there, there's a sort of a delicate and it sort of uh, more knowing kind of uh, interaction that opens up uh, when people get together over this same this very cause. So that's a really wonderful observation. And you know we've got people who have Alzheimer's who were there. And on some level, it's very meaningful to them, very touching for them to realize this groundswell of support that is there on mm. their behalf. It's, it's really powerful, and we're just proud to be able to offer it in Orange County. And as we know from what people have learned about Alzheimer's behaviorally, that we know that a good moment has a, the emotional traction has a lot uh, stored in, and they can, they can remember on some level how they, how good they felt about something. So it's uh, that that those kinds of events that they can be a part of are really um, doing a, a, a level number of duties there. So you're absolutely right, and many of them, many you know, all of us want to be giving, and many of them earlier in their lives were able to be giving and are much more comfortable in that role than being a recipient, you know, of, of the goodness of others. So they, again, as you said, on some level know that they're doing their part, and that feels really good for all of us. Really good. Yeah. Well, we, as you mentioned, there's a website, folks, for you to um, find out what's going on in, in your area. It's the ALZ.org uh, website, and the number to call would be 1-800-272-3900. And for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Lynn Maloney. She's the Vice President of Development at the Orange County Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. And when we talk about your chapter, I want to also uh, stress for people that wh- wherever they're listening or streaming this show, you can take up the the work the benefits of a chapter that maybe you're not yourself residing it my if you have uh, if you're listening from some other county some other uh, state or you're listening to this podcast at another time from another place that you could uh, easily use the um, tap into what's going on at the chapter like an outside your area like find out what's going because Orange County's got such amazing resources I think you have a lot to be proud of over there Lynn oh. Well, you know, and I will be quick to distinguish the Please. work that we do here is made possible by the community that we serve. Everything that we provide, we provide at no cost to the families that we serve, and every dollar that we use in that effort is, is given to us by donors in this community. So um, we're very thankful. We're very mindful that we're stewards of those dollars, and so we do try to, to really make them go as far as we can. Um, we've got a number, over 500 volunteers, who are just wonderful in wow. helping us um, extend the reach of our programs and our services. Absolutely. But let me go back real quick to Let's what do. you were saying about our helpline. That's that 800-272-3900. That is a 24-hour a day, any time of the day or night, any day of the year. Now, by example, I was in Montana over the holidays, and you know how it is. When you work someplace, you become the resident expert. Mm-hmm. So um, literally at Christmas dinner, I was talking to some family friends, and they were going through this exact thing and had been for some time. It had gotten quite serious. Help was on the way. You were there at the dinner table. <laughs> I picked up the phone, and I said, you know, I'm, I, I work for the association. I'm calling from Montana. This is what these friends of ours are experiencing. And somebody answered the phone. Somebody had the tools and resources that were available in Montana. And all I had to do was hand the phone over to my friend. And, you know, 45 minutes later, she came out of the bedroom, and she was crying, and she was relieved. And I think she felt for the first time like she wasn't alone any longer in this journey. Um, And what's really powerful about our helpline, I mean, of course, you're going to get a caring qualified, confidential Knowing. point of call. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, it's not just somebody to take your name and number and somebody will call you tomorrow. You're going to get somebody who knows what you're experiencing, who if all you need to do is just call and say, I don't even know the questions to ask. I'm just so overwhelmed. They will break it down into bite-sized pieces with you, and they'll say, you know what, here's the most immediate needs, and here are answers to what are your most immediate needs. But then you're going to be plugged into our array of services and programs 
for the duration. If you need us for a month or if you need us for 12 years, we are going to walk with you along that journey throughout the duration of it. And there's never a charge. We know who in each community are the experts. We know who in each community are the very best go-to people. Mm -hmm. So while we won't say, you know, here's the doctor to go see or here's the... um, a facility to go live in, we will be able to tell you what questions to ask so you can make right, qualified decisions for yourself. Oh, that's that's enormously helpful. When people are, not only are they worn out and uh, not sure they have any capacity left mm-hmm. to, to make their next move, but mm-hmm. uh, just unschooled on how to, uh, with with any kind of protocol to uh, to navigate all those institutions that one must navigate. Oh to, my gosh, to it's like anything you've not good at. You know, it's like buying a house for the first time or a car. For, you don't know the questions to ask. You don't. You just don't know what you don't know. And so we make it our business to, as I said, we don't do for people because everyone's needs are different. But for instance, if you've got a loved one that you're looking for um, a wonderful day program for, we'll say, okay, well, what are some things to consider? Well, what kind of foods does she enjoy? What kind of external stimulation does she enjoy? Um, you know, what kind of medication management do we need to be mindful of? Wow. And we will. We and that's one example. We right. do everything in terms of walking them through what are the legal considerations, what are the health care considerations, what are the things in re- with respect to the you know durable power of attorney, the living will, everything from, you know, if, you, if they need to sell their home so that they can afford to put the loved one in a, in a facility, just what are all of the resources that are available, what are the ones that make the most sense for them. We don't have anything to gain by this. We are here, our sole purpose for being is to serve families. And from that, we derive, you know, our greatest satisfaction when people say, thank you. Thank you. I don't know what I would have done without you. That is our, that is our whole reason for being. Absolutely. And for those of you who think, well, you know, that's not my need, and it may not be your need right now, I'm going to repeat the number, 1-800-272-3900, because that is a number to keep handy, because at the moment you're going to need that number, it'll be a good thing to have. Whether Maybe it's somebody you've just approached. It, it mm-hmm. may be uh, you can see that there's a loved one who's sort of floundering. You can say, well, here's a number you can take it, or oh, you'll need gosh. that number yourself. It's just it's a really important resource, and Lynn is telling us exactly uh, how how dutifully, mindfully, that the association can steer us into uh, what we're clueless about. So, uh, And so you were talking about the 500 volunteers. There are 47 different support groups, depending on what your situation is. If you're the adult uh, of a an Alzheimer's patient and you want to be in a support group, there's there's uh, some meetings in the county. There are – tell us about all of the support groups to the extent you can in the short time. <laughs> well, the support group is really our longest-running program, and it's just such a core place for people to go. Um, you know, and, and again, here they're not alone. Share their examples, share their experiences, learn from the experiences of others. All of our support group leaders are, are trained facilitators. In fact, there was just another um, meeting in the office here today because they also submit themselves to ongoing training so that as they're in their role as support group leaders, they can be offering the very best, the very current, the most responsible support uh, possible. And what I do know is as I'm talking to individuals maybe who have lost a loved one to mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, they'll continue to go to the support group. Maybe um, they continue to, you know, to really benefit from the support of what have become now friends. Um, we also have a bereavement support group. But we also know from folks that they once they've lost their loved one and they're in a position now to give back and be the person who is And they do. They come back. Friends. Yeah. And um, the support groups, like everything we offer, there's no cost for it. We also have support groups, Claudia, for people at various stages in the disease process. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got support groups for couples. You know, as as you're a couple and your loved one has Alzheimer's, you know, um, it's not uncommon for us to have folks in their 60s and 70s, and maybe the wife has Alzheimer's and the husband is the caregiver. They'll come to our support group, our, we call it the Breakfast Club, and they get to experience with others social interactions in successful ways. And That's so, so important. Get, oh, they get to create some more fun times together. They get to experience as a couple uh, a life that isn't is the new normal. And um, is this a new uh, the Breakfast Club? Is this a, one of the newer support groups? 
You know, it's probably newer in the last three years. Uh-huh. We, had a, uh, we had a donor who saw how important it was in a friend's life. And so they stepped forward and provided some funding to help make sure it would be available for others. We've also added um, another group for those who are in the early stages of the disease. Because if you're in the early stages of the disease, your life is changing, your spouse's life is changing, your family's life is changing, but you still might be functioning at a pretty high level. Right. So um, we just recently started a partnership with Bowers Museum. It's called Connect to Culture. And it's an opportunity, again, for them to go and experience art, which, as you know, um, they still have access to um, those aspects, um, you know, of their brain, and they're able to connect on a much more significant, much more emotional level. Right. Um, so that's just an example of, you know, how we continue to try to determine what are additional ways, what are additional things that we can provide to really well serve the growing number of people in need. This is all wonderful, and it it's helpful for those couples because uh, there aren't um, – there, there isn't a sort of a folk psychology for people to understand how to interact with an Alzheimer's patient. And I, I, I've coined my own term, I think I call it geriatricizing, where we sort of uh, we, we talk down, we condescend to somebody that we think uh, is dealing with dementia, has dementia, and we just assume they're, they have no capacity and no feeling, so we're going we're gonna to yell or we're going to be uh, use simpler words, and none of that's necessary. And so I, this must be not only a safe place for those couples to go, but uh, a way to sort of uh, get more uh, get more um, in their, I don't want to call it the arsenal, then help me out here. To, <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely right. We call it, you know, their toolkit. That's kind of an informal expression. Right, and how to, uh, to interact in uh, knowing and unknowing uh, kinds of right. acquaintances. Well, and I think, Claudia, you hit it right on the head. One of our most effective um, tools that we share with people is called compassionate communication. And it's really just sort of a lovely way to live your life. But it equips people to have more successful, more satisfying communication with their loved one. And if their loved one is capable, really, of only asking the same five questions over and over again, it equips you with ways to respond So you don't grow impatient, so you don't grow unhappy, um, and it leaves, you know, the caregiver feeling not quite so strung out, not dreading interactions with the person. My father-in-law has Alzheimer's, um, and he's fairly advanced in the disease process, and so we um, in our home have been incorporating some of these compassionate communication techniques. And it's really interesting to see how just changing our response to his same five questions, you know, where am I? How did I get here? You know, it's, and it's kind of terrifying to think that, that those are the questions that, you know, are on his mind. Where am I? How scary is that? So instead of answering the same way over and again and getting so impatient with Grandpa, we'll say things like, well, you're here, and here is near, you know, L.A., and L.A. is where you came as a young man from the Philippines. Well, suddenly... Grandpa has had a whole new conversation brought up, and now he can go on and tell us about what it was like when he came here from the Philippines. Oh, my goodness. Because he might not have any recollection about breakfast, but he can tell us what it was like to come here and, you know, to, to experience, you know, what it was like to be here for the first time and not know the language. And it just it brings about a way different com- conversation. And it, I have to tell you this, it is so much more... Um, productive and satisfying. Our kids listen to it and learn from it. They do. You know, and we, we have grown to know him on a whole nother level. And I want to say, Lynn, uh, and for those listening today, uh, it's a phenomenal lo- small essay that our own Nathan Callahan on KUCI with his SoCal Bites that he does. I don't remember which date. It's about three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he uh, sort of unknowingly, but he hit it right on the nail, what his grandmother, who was living with his family, yeah. uh, what she needed. She had Her recurrent question was, where is my Social Security check? Oh. And so what he did, I don't know what possessed him to do it, but uh, and he had uh, his own offspring uh, amidst him at that point. Yeah. So he dressed in a police costume, and his daughter was in a deputy outfit, and oh. they said, 
We are on it. We are we are watching your social security checks so that we know where they are at all times. Or we, you know, and she just with that one breakthrough gesture, she was at peace, and she didn't ask that question anymore. Oh it reached gosh. her, and so it, there were some other beautiful things that Nathan says in the the remainder of that uh, essay. So I know what you're saying is that you that man who served in the Philippines or came from the Philippines, he, he there's a thread of, of communication that is a rope for them now to hang on to and yeah. relate to everybody. It's wonderful. Absolutely. That's, that's a perfect example, and it allows them a measure of dignity that is absolutely compromised by the disease. Absolutely, and they, they need that dignity. Like, wait, we all demand that, and we can't, uh, we can't dismiss that need at all, even no. though we think that there isn't that capacity and the need for that. Well, we don't have much time left, but I wanted <laughs> to find out, cause I, and I know you've got meetings coming up, that mm. there is in November a, the research conference where the public benefits from uh, the, the latest findings. It's extremely accessible, the ways in which the information is presented. I want for, for Lynn Maloney to lay out for us this uh, collaboration with UCI and the Alzheimer's Family Service Center uh, when and where. And it's, it's time to think about enrolling and registering now, folks, because that sells out every year. So tell us exactly when it is in November, Lynn. Oh, excellent. You know, it's not a coincidence. They're actually holding it on World Alzheimer's Day. Okay. And World Alzheimer's Day is September 21st. So this is the 20th year of this collaboration, which I think also speaks volumes about, you know, the group of people who are working collectively in this community on this disease. 20 years of working together with UCI, the Alzheimer's Family Services Center, and this is the Southern California Alzheimer's Disease Conference. Um, again, as I said, Friday, December, or September 21st at the Hilton Orange County Costa Mesa Hotel. And we've had to move it because every year we have just sold to the walls. And so they've expanded it. It's in a slightly larger location. Um, and so this year the primary topic that they'll be discussing is beyond memory. Okay. What is the behavioral and psychiatric symptoms of dementia? Very good. It'll be very it's, – it's very good information um, and there's a variety of breakout sessions, and I think that um, people who are interested and passionate about this topic will certainly find something there for themselves. Exactly, for themselves. I was wanting to mention that too, Lynn. It's very key because uh, everybody I know that's taking notes in those various, as I said, accessible presentations, mm-hmm. everybody is taking note of what they need to do as far as managing their own uh, physique and mind uh, to forestall whether they think they are uh, at risk of also having um, Alzheimer's eventually. So it's a, there's always Gosh. two tracks. There's the immediate person one's attending to, and then there's the individual need to, uh, for the best possible maintenance to, uh, to, uh, to avert or delay the onset of Alzheimer's, yeah. or yeah, what do you call it, mild uh, cognitive. cognitive impairment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Lynn, you have been so helpful in telling us about this wonderful uh, association that has so many resources and, and really knowing resources. So I want to thank you so much for being today on Ask a Leader. Claudia, thank you again so much. You are doing wonderful work by helping us spread the word. Well, we're glad to do it, and um, all the best in the turnouts to come. And we'll, uh, I'll be look, keeping my eyes posted for purple ties, for <laughs> long walks, and I'll be at that door on September 21st myself. Thanks for coming forward. on the show, Lynn. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you.